I got sweaty palms. You do? What's that about? I ate McDonald's for lunch. <laughs> Some meat sweats. <laughs> You've got the meat sweats. Yeah. It's like once a month I'll do McDonald's with Ant. And... Yeah. You're listening to Cultivate, a podcast about the people and technology that are blazing a trail in the cannabis industry. Welcome to another episode of Cultivate, a podcast brought to you by your friends at Bovida. I'm Drew Emmer. That's Scott Swell. Yeah, so we're going to be talking to Zane at Canador. He manufactures these humidors that are specific cool. for cannabis. They're really cool. High Sounds end. beautiful. Yep. Um, so we're going to talk to him about that product specifically. Um, and then he did some traveling the last year, traveling around to different states to educate himself more on cannabis specifically and the industry as a whole. So I think it's going to be a really fun and uh, lighthearted, interesting conversation. Zane's got a great story to tell, and here we go. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into another episode of Cultivate. Today, we've got Zane from Canador uh, on the line with us here. So, Zane, can you just explain uh, who you are, what you do, and what you're all about? Sure, absolutely. Um, I started a company called Canador, which originated from the idea to preserve and store cannabis uh, and keep it fresh. Uh, so I wanted to create a consumer products company geared around storing uh, cannabis. But one of the things that I noticed uh, at the time when I had this idea was that a lot of products available weren't necessarily geared towards um, the working class professional. And so I wanted to create something that was a little bit higher, uh, higher end, higher quality and nicer. And uh, I borrowed a lot of concepts from the traditional tobacco humidor and modified them for cannabis, hence the name Canador. So today we boast a lot of different SKUs and models and I'm continually expanding that portfolio and um, it's an exciting time. That's awesome. No, I've seen them and they're great. It's cool because I really think that the cannabis industry is kind of almost evolving to be like the wine or tobacco industry where you have those connoisseurs that um, want to display what they have and keep it in a high-end container. Um, I mean, obviously you can keep it in a glass ball jar, but if you have someone come over to your house and you have this nice wood humidor with all of your cannabis in it, it, it looks a lot nicer. It's just like you said, for that working professional class. Um, how did, did it take some time for this to catch on? I mean, how did people respond when you put this out on the market? It was pretty neutral uh, to bearish, you might say, um, because I think a lot of people were skeptic that if you're introducing moisture to cannabis, you're inevitably going to create um, mold propagation. And mm -hmm. that's absolutely true. If you do add too much moisture, there is a high risk of getting mold. Uh, so I think there was a lot of pushback, um, but people were open to the idea, at least those who were familiar with the humidor concept. So mm -hmm. It was a bit of a slow, like I said, neutral uh, kind of bearish start. But once people um, understood that, look, if you provide an optimal, optimal relative humidity, not too high, not too low, there is a sweet spot once people understood that and, you know, a few people tried it, I started getting repeat customers and I started noticing that, okay, you know, I'm getting customers in like the same city or the same town 
and I think people are talking. So, um, that's what really helped me is I think when people would come over to their friend's house and see this giant wooden box sitting on their coffee table or armoire, they'd they'd say, you know, what, what is that? And then they open it up and be like, oh my God. So I think that's what really helped me, but it, it was kind of a rough start. It was not easy and it did not take off immediately. Yeah, no, I can imagine. But like you said, I mean, as more as this industry becomes more normalized and uh, people are more accepting of it, people are going to want to display their prized cannabis and store it in a really high end container, not just a glass ball jar. And like you said, people are going to come over the house. They're going to show it off. And just like the tobacco industry with cigars. so I know before we started this, you had told us that you were doing some traveling throughout the last year, just gaining knowledge, going and seeing stuff. Can you explain some of those travels and what your mission was uh, for doing that and and what you learned? Yeah, one of the difficulties that a lot of people face in this industry is advertising and marketing. Um, it's kind of slim pickings and a lot of the major publishers uh, who you love to advertise with aren't quite accepting of these products just yet. Give it time. Um, So I I thought an interesting way to reach new audiences would be something akin to what I saw done with, um, uh, I forget the alcohol brand. It was a whiskey brand that did a small mini series with Anthony Bourdain, where he met with a lot of different businesses. It's called Raw Craft. Uh, I Mm -hmm. I think it's the Balvenie. And um, they met with these businesses and discussed with them everything from start to finish in whatever it was. And I thought, what if you could do something like that for cannabis, where you meet with a variety of different businesses, whether it be scientists, um, growers, or dispensary owners, and learn about their industry or their business, their niche, their sector, and share that with our customers. And so I wanted to create a small mini series, which I've entitled Growing Wild. And uh, much like the industry, everything is really growing wild. So I travel the country going to recreational states and I just have a conversation, much like we're having now. And I'm learning everything I can about cannabis and cultivation and the culture. Within, with with every city, there's a completely different culture. So my first episode was Portland. My second episode was Denver, which that episode will be coming out next month. And you'll really see the stark contrast between these two cities and yep. the, the culture, of course, that emanates out of it. So mm-hmm. this this has been part of the journey and it's still ongoing. No, that's fun. I, they should do, and maybe they do do this, like cannabis tours. So you go to, say, L.A. or Denver, wherever, and you get on a bus with a group of people and you travel from grow operation to grow operations or dispensaries, whatever it might be. And just, I mean, there's so much to learn. And myself being in the industry for three years now, I didn't really fully understand like a grow operation or a dispensary and and what goes on behind scenes 
um, until you go and tour them. And it's pretty mind blowing. I mean, it's, yeah. you're not just, you're not just growing pot and then selling it. I mean, there's a, it's, there's a huge process behind it. Um, I know that you had mentioned you were doing some oxygen testing. Can you explain that and, and what you were doing there? Yeah, we're still we're still in the process of uh, finalizing the the details for the overall setup of this particular study. But one of the questions that I'm most curious about, and I haven't quite seen answered, is the relationship that oxygen has to terpenes during the curing process and during after the curing process during storage. And so, um, what we really want to understand better is the best method for overall storage. Um, you know, I will say that we are developing a product for a little bit larger scale. And so this information will certainly help us among others. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, really understanding the relationship, um, like I said, to low oxygen, or, or what's the op optimum oxygen level? Because we see products on the market that are vacuum storage. And of course, we have heard feedback from some that, um, you know, maybe it doesn't allow uh, relative humidity. So therefore, you're not getting the best taste out of something with low oxygen. Um, is that the best method? There aren't enough studies done out there to help us really understand what is the best. And so it's kind of become hearsay. He, she yep. said, uh, I found the best method. Um, there hasn't been conclusive evidence and few studies that were conducted are now 40, 50 years old and things have obviously changed quite a bit. Yep. No. And we run into that too with, with our product. You have, um, someone that's maybe been growing for 40 years or their, their parents were growing, they're growing now and introducing Bovida to them is just so foreign in their uh, they kind of put up a wall because they feel that the way they've been doing it is the right way and it's the only way. Um, so we need to educate people and people need to get educated. There needs to be more studies around not only our product, but oxygen, everything to find the right way. Because like you said, it's someone's going to say it's better this way. And then the next guy is going to say, nope, you're completely wrong. It's yeah. my way is the right way. Yeah. And there's no evidence behind it other than their personal opinion. So, so can you give us your two cents on where the cannabis industry is going? Um, obviously, like you said, there needs to be more studies done. Where do you guys see yourself in five years? Do you have any big plans for for the upcoming years? What I mean, what's the goal? What's your mission? That was a low. That was a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm not going to make predictions any more than the weatherman particularly can yeah. because the weatherman has more tools than I do. Uh, yeah. But uh, I think that a national legalization effort will be in place. I don't know when, no. um, but it seems more likely. So as we move further in time, I think the probability of this happening becomes higher and higher. Um I just don't know when or, yeah. or really what that looks like to me in my personal opinion. I would think it would be to the tune of uh, descheduling. Um, yep. I think that's the least that our government can do. Um, but the most it can do in the short term 
is, I think you tapped on it, which is undertaking more studies. Um, the federal government has been very slow to allow for these studies uh, to be undertaken. Number one and number two, I think that the product that they're using for testing out of the uh, Mississippi facility, if I'm not mistaken, is extremely low quality. I remember reading news about this uh, a while ago where the studies they're testing it on are nowhere near what the market is actually uh, yeah. trading. So I don't I don't get that um, other than the fact that uh, I think that the current attorney general certainly has a vendetta against this. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not quite sure which direction that's going to go. But I think that's the best thing that they can do is to undertake a little bit more studies so we can deschedule. I think that's yeah. the best thing that can do. No, I agree. I as agree. far as my company and where we fit into all of that, I mean, I'm just excited to continuously grow year over year and add products to our portfolio um, and reach new customers in new and unique ways. One of the things that I'm excited about uh, working on in, in the uh, near term here is a larger scale storage product that meets all the needs of people who continuously call me up and say, hey, when do you have something that's going to be larger? Well, how much larger? Uh, a pound. Pound. <laughs> mm -hmm, right. The market is headed if that's where people are going. Um, you know, obviously there are, there are certain products available that you can get at, you know, a local convenience store for larger scale curing, but none that quite meet specific needs of cannabis. And so uh, that's an easy thing for us to address given our current supply chain and, and status in the market. So, I'm Well, yeah. And, and that goes back to like the wine industry or the, the cigar industry where people some people might have only a, a couple of bottles of wine, but if you're a wine connoisseur, you most likely have a wine cellar in your basement or somewhere in your house where you have a hundred, 300 bottles of wine. And it's the same thing where people are usually just buying a couple grams here and there and maybe going to the dispensary every day or a couple times a week. Now they're going to start buying a pound and storing it, having it long-term, maybe even letting it age. That'd be a cool study to, to take some cannabis throw it in a container, store it for a year, two years and taste it along the way and see how it changes and, yeah. and all of that. Yeah. So I think there's, there's a lot more to this whole industry than just getting high and having a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, of, one so. of the big things um, that I actually learned in the first episode was the, uh, when I was in Portland, I saw so much that had to do with terpenes and many of the dispensaries that I visited even had uh, cards of the terpene profile hmm. for each different strain. So you could see, okay. Like cologne? Like if you spray, is that what you're talking about? Well, no, 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 no. I mean like the, the, they actually, so a lot of dispensaries in general, it's expensive to test for terpene profiles. It's something okay. that I think a lot of dispensary owners probably look at and go, okay, well, what's the real net benefit here? If I'm going to have to spend X amount for an extra test, are customers yeah. really going to, uh, truly, make their decision based on this alone. It's a chart. It looks like a bunch of, you know, a bar graph. Um, yep. I particularly found it interesting because of the point you just hit on, which is the different flavors and tastes and um, 
I think that people are going to move away from this concept of white lightning, where I'm just looking for the highest THC that, so I can get yeah. blitz out of my mind, versus, okay, I, I understand a little bit more about terpenes and what it means to have high myrcene, uh, because last time I tried high myrcene um, terpene, it, it made me feel good, whatever that yeah. means to you, because everybody feels different. So your mm -hmm. version of good is going to be different than my version of good, but at least you have some understanding of what it is you're smoking. Um, so the more and more I think dispensaries help educate about, you know, what are terpenes and what does it mean to have uh, a one-to-one -one THC CBD, um, the better off we all are at, at making these decisions. But like you said, I think it, it'll definitely be more about the taste and less about the high. Over the last few months, the Canadian market has really been blowing up. Um, I that That's my territory, so I see it firsthand. Do you guys have any plans to expand into that market or other international markets um, yeah. th this upcoming year? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We just wrapped up a deal um, uh, earlier this year with uh, Tweed, um, and we made specialized products for them. And we are also going to be rolling out our Canadian website uh, in the coming weeks um, through um, through distribution in Canada. So we are seeing explosive growth in Canada, and I want to be able to um, meet the needs of uh, Canadian retailers. And really, the only way that we can do that from the United States is through uh, distribution. And so we're we're excited to be launching this new website. Uh, pretty soon awesome yeah you know i as i'm thinking about this canadians are the it's the perfect market for your product i mean if anyone's a connoisseur and likes to take care of their cannabis and um do it right it's canadians and it's been fun kind of seeing how far advanced they are in some of the sciences and technologies and in all of that than than we are here in the states well, what, so that's exciting. What really blew me away was the fact that a lot of them are, are they're all getting this by mail. So yeah. Whenever cannabis, it doesn't really matter how airtight you can try and get these pill bottles or uh, plastic cases, it's going to experience evaporative loss during its journey. And so mm -hmm. naturally, when a lot of the uh, Canadian customers get it, um, mostly med patients at this particular juncture, when they get mm -hmm. it, it is bone dry. So this product really helps address that problem. Yeah, no, and that's that's what we experienced too after we've been doing uh, trade shows up in Canada for the last two years now. Um, the biggest complaint from these patients is how dry the cannabis, their medicine shows up at the door. Um, so we work with quite a few of the LPs and they include a product in the, the shipping process for the patients. But we have people coming up to our booth at these shows saying, we stopped ordering from so-and-so and started ordering from whoever it might be that uses Bovida because of the quality difference. I mean, these LPs are losing patients because of how dry the cannabis is when it arrives at their door. I mean, and when it's for someone's medicine and it's really important, um, as it dries out, you're losing that medicinal value, which can be... A, a terrible thing right right um to, to to you know to what degree 
are we losing those terpenes and that flavor? That's another thing, but it's good for products like ours and yours that specifically allow moisture content to restabilize. And I'm yeah. sure that you're helping educate a lot of these Canadian LPs understand that of course, weight uh, also is an economic benefit for them. Yeah, uh, no, big time. Weight in, in terms of the moisture content within the buds, but um, also reviving dried out buds. So I think that's a, the biggest misnomer that customers have is as soon as they get it and it's dry, they think, oh man, that's it, it's done. You can revive it with your products mm -hmm. and ours. So exactly, if there is still no. room for uh, to taste what you want to taste. Exactly. No, and that's why I mean, we're it's the perfect marriage, our product and your product, because it's essentially doing the same thing. You're you're creating a, a high quality um, storage container, humidor, um, for cannabis, and Bovida goes in there and is the the horsepower to to maintain that that moisture inside of there so yeah. zane it's been a pleasure speaking today we appreciate the partnership look forward to the upcoming years um as the cannabis market explodes if people want to reach you on social media or online where can they find you you can find us at canador c-a-n-n-a-d-o-r on facebook twitter and instagram and thank you very awesome. much for having me Yes. Thank you, Zane. We'll talk soon. All righty. All right. We're going to jump into our favorite section. You love Ask Boveda. I do. I do. Where do you go if you want to see Ask Boveda? Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. So if you have a question, you can just go there and... Or email us directly at info at bovidainc.com. Hashtag Ask Boveda. So what's the question today? So this gentleman um, is purchasing some extremely high quality sticky buds from 710 labs um, he's never used humidification products before he is wondering um, which one of our products will keep half an ounce to an ounce of flour nice and sticky um, and then he's also wondering what percentage so size bovida percentage take it away drew i have an answer our eight gram will humidify up to an ounce and you have a choice between our 62% RH, relative humidity formula, or our 58% RH, relative humidity formula. And I would, uh, I'd go with the 62. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to uh, achieve and, and maintain that really sticky bud, um, the 62 is your best option. The 58 is great and is going to store it um, perfectly, but it's just going to be slightly drier. So we generally see a lot of people using the 58% for um, joints. So any, if you see pre-rolls out there, majority of people are using the 58. Just, Why do they use the 58? Just burns a little bit better. So and it doesn't go out. Exactly. But if you want that really sticky icky, 62. 62 is for you. Yes. This has been another episode of Cultivate brought to you by your friends at Bovida. I'm Scott. That's Drew. If you have questions, reach us on Instagram at Bovida Cannabis, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, direct email info at bovidainc.com. We out. We out of here.